children are children. They might have Catholic parents, but that doesn't make them Catholic. And I think they have a right to have a broad education in all religions and and none um, in order to make their decision when they're old enough. You're listening to episode 52 of the National Secular Society podcast produced by Emma Park. Peterborough Council has just given the go-ahead to the building of a new voluntary-aided Catholic primary school in the growing residential district of Hampton Water. This will be the first Catholic state school to have been built in England for over 10 years. It has been pushed through despite much opposition from local residents. In this episode, my guests are Terry Haynes, a teacher and Liberal Democrat councillor, and Tracy Butler, who campaigned against the introduction of the school. They talked to me about the reasons why it has been unpopular, and in particular the dubious claims of the Catholic Diocese of East Anglia that the school would increase diversity of education. We also discussed the way in which the diocese was able to have its proposal accepted by the Conservative Majority Council and the financial incentives that may have been involved. Hampton Academies Trust had submitted their own proposal for a non-denominational school to the Department for Education, but the DfE rejected it for reasons that remain obscure. I will then be joined by Alastair Lichden, who has coordinated the No More Faith Schools campaign for the NSS. He will be helping to put the events in Peterborough in the national context. Tracy and Terry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hello. Let's start by just going back to the, the origins of this school. Tracy, how did you first learn that a new Catholic school was going to be developed in the Hampton Water area? Uh, My daughter attends one of the uh, Hampton Academies schools and she brought home a a letter uh, informing parents of the the new school that was going to be be built on Hampton Water. It was also then posted on a lot of the social media sites in Hampton. That's when I first became aware of it. And what was the process by which the school was eventually sort of given the green light by the council? So the there was another school. The Hampton Academies did put a bid in for this school, um, but that was uh, rejected. And we did actually get a petition up um, once we found out that this was a faith school. And, well, the council just sort of ignored everything we'd done step by step. We did petitions, we did emails, we emailed the MPs. We emailed all the local councillors. We had a, a massive, a lot of support for this. And unfortunately, the council still approved the school. And, and how long a period of time did this all take? Oh, it's pro- probably over a year. In in terms of the, the local residents, how strong is the opposition to having a Catholic school there? Oh, we've got a really strong uh, support opposing the school uh, on, on lots of grounds. Uh, lots of people um, are doing it on the faith basis as well as the um, planning side so having a school that's only going to serve 20% of the catchment area is obviously going to attract a lot more traffic coming in and out of a small area. Uh, There are also the Hampton Water is a uh, a very um, diverse community and there's lots of faiths and there's also non-faiths so um, the majority of people felt that they were excluded from being able to attend a local school based on what their faith was. Could you just, um, in terms of the figures, explain the reason why the the Catholic school is only going to be able to serve 20% of the catchment area and then why that will lead to an increase in traffic? They they can do it at 50%, but they are sticking at having 80% faith and 20% of other faiths and non-faiths, which means that a lot of, it's going to bring a lot more 
um, children from out of the area so they will naturally travel by car possibly bus <clears throat> looking at the planning uh, there's there's lots of uh, bus route ideas put into there there's lots of park and ride type ideas so they and and obviously cycle routes so they are they are putting all that into planning which is naturally sort of saying as well that there is going to be an influx of traffic um, we also attended the diocese consultation and uh, uh, one resident did ask the question that if she was Catholic and lived out of the area, uh, we gave an area that was probably 40, 40 minutes away, uh, would we get a place? And they said yes. So naturally, they are offering places to children from uh, the wider area other than Peterborough as well. And um, what's the other provision for primary school children in this area already? Is, is it sufficient to meet um, the demand? Now, Hampton's uh, still growing. There's uh, Hampton East is going to be possibly 3,000 houses when that's developed. Um, there are already primary schools in Hampton. They are, they are oversubscribed. They're very popular. Um, lots of people that move into the area are travelling quite a way out to get their children to school. Um, if they travel more than, I believe it's three miles, then the local authority have to provide transport. So again, that's another financial impact for the council. So basically, this school is just going to make most people in the area just have to commute further to send their children to school. Yes. Yes, you're going to have children that can't get into the school leaving the area. And then you're going to have children from out of the area that don't need to live on the doorstep of the school because they will be guaranteed a place on their faith travelling in. Terry, what was your involvement in um, the campaign against this new faith school? Um, well, I was elected uh, May 2019 and I sit on the Children and Education Scrutiny Committee. So we meet regularly to scrutinise the council's work involving children and education. And um, it was brought up in one of the meetings that this school uh, was being uh, planned or the application was being made. Uh, and it was mentioned that it was going to be a controversial issue. So I started discussing it with um, a fellow Green councillor on the committee and looking at uh, Facebook group that had been set up uh, around the school and I just felt that it was a really emotive subject there were an awful lot of local people feeling like they were already being ignored even at the very early stages of the process there was also a lot of um, confusion as, it, as is often the case with council-based issues between the language used by the council and kind of official definitions and the lived experience of residents. So Tracy has said, you know, Hampton schools uh, are full and you can go on Facebook and find at any time that Hampton schools, parents have trouble getting their children to the school of their choice. But by official definition, it's fine. The situation's OK. Many residents were complaining about the school's admissions policy, but technically it's an oversubscription criteria policy. And so it just seemed like they were being left to fend for themselves, not really quite understanding what was going on, not getting support from the council. So I kind of stepped in and along with a fellow Lib Dem councillor and the Green uh, councillor, councillor Nicola Day, we put in a, a call in to try and say that the process that the council had been following to allow the school to be built hadn't been done properly. Um, and we tried to get the decision reversed in that way. Um, just to be clear, this is a Conservative controlled council, isn't it? Yes. And in terms of how the council 
um, took the process forward. Now, um, there was this other school, one of the Hampton Academies um, was trying to put in their own bid. How did the council decide to choose the Catholic diocese bid rather than the Hampton Academies bid? The diocese school was what was presented to the council. The Hampton, uh, the other Hampton Academy school did not pass uh, the DfE criteria in that wave. So that school was not a possibility as far as the council were concerned. It was this diocese school. Um, that was what was in front of them. And in the call-in procedure, they talked about all the other alternatives if they refused the diocese school. And they all involved more time, no guarantee that the Hampton Academy school would be put forward and it would cost them more money as well and they'd lose funding. So basically they were, were really in a hurry to get this school through? They were, yes. And I think um, the, the financial implications of not accepting this school also potentially played a big part. Would the council um, benefit financially from having this school in place? Um, at the meeting, it was said that this the council would lose what's called basic needs funding. Now, I'm not an expert on this, but my understanding of this is that the government give the local authority extra money every year to allow the council to go to schools and to increase the capacity within those schools so there's enough places for children living in the city. The, what was said in the meeting was that if this voluntary aided school is built, we don't lose that uh, basic needs funding. And if we do get another type of school built, we can lose that funding. Also, the funding for the voluntary aided school, 90% uh, comes from the Department for Education, whereas some of these other types of schools, the local authority would have to fund it. So that's sort of a summary of the situation as I understand it. So again, it's it's very much in the financial interests of, of the council to prefer a Catholic faith school rather than um, a non-denominational school. Yes. And it seems, I mean, uh, if, as I say, a basic understanding of the situation, it seems to me, um, if what I've been told is true, that the whole voluntary aided faith school is being supported by the government um, and through the DfE. Because if this financial situation is true, um, any local authority is going to want one of these schools because it means they don't lose funding in other areas. So it seems that almost local authorities, you know, uh, would be silly to refuse to build these schools if the funding situation is as I've uh, represented it. Did the Department for Education give any reasons for its rejection of the Hampton Academy's proposal? I do not recall being told and, and my impression is the local authority don't get told. I believe that's what they said. So Tracy. From your perspective, so traffic is, is one issue for um, why, why this school is um, potentially a real problem and, and the fact that you know, there's, there's this whole extra movement of people coming to the school and, and residents taking their children out of the area. What about in terms of principle? What, what are your objections and, and the people who oppose the school? Why do they have a real problem with having a new Catholic school in the area? Um, so Hampton Water is uh, a very um, diverse community. Um, we have lots of different faiths. We also have uh, residents of, of no faith at all. And uh, lots of uh, people moved here because we knew there was going to be a school. Um, so residents moved in, uh, hoping that their children would all be able to go to school together. So be able to walk to school and walk home. Uh, parents would be able to meet after school, build up those relationships. It's quite a, a vital um, time in a parent's life, really, to meet other mums and dads, meet other dads. And then they 
realize that this is probably not going to happen now so you've got one faith living next door to somebody of another faith whose children will not attend school together so there's basically a huge missed opportunity for integration Oh, absolutely. I've had residents message me just to say that they, they want their child to go to school and learn and about other faves and mix with other faves. So they would just naturally talk about uh, their celebrations and what they're doing in the playground or out of school. And that's one way they will learn about that. The diocese, in its proposal for this new school, said that having a Catholic school in the area would increase diversity of the um, school provision. Do you agree with that? No, I can't. I can't really see how that's possible. Um, there's already been a lot of hostility um, from the diocese towards the community as we've sort of gone on this journey. In what sort of ways could you give some examples? They are seeing it more as residents being anti-Catholic. And that is definitely not the case, if anything. Uh, it's about inclusion. It's about including all faiths and not just singling out one faith. What about in terms of what the Catholic school will actually teach? Um, have you had any thoughts from parents on that, about the difficulties of, of going to a school which advocates the Catholic ethos? Um, oh, yes, definitely. And it is already in the part of their admissions criteria. It does, it does say that they they expect the children and the families to follow the Catholic ethos. And uh, part of the uh, building, which we didn't actually realise until recently, uh, is possibly going to be used as a school chapel, which if is the case that will also, if that's going to be used on a Sunday, for instance, there's possibility of even more traffic coming in out of an area on a uh, what should be a nice quiet day. Has the diocese tried to engage with the residents to try and persuade them of the benefits of this new school? No, not at all. They did say that they would have a meeting at some stage, but uh, I, it's difficult because of COVID. But um, there has been there's been no communication from them. Terry, in terms of the process, so after the um, council said it was going to be this Catholic school or nothing. How how has the process moved forward by the council? Was it transparent? Were people were councillors um, and other people in the area um, given the opportunity to make representations? So the call in process um, is me or the, me and my colleagues saying we think that there's been something wrong with this process with this decision. We based that on the lack of them proving that there was a local need, a local desire for this school. We said that the consultation didn't prove that people in Hampton Water wanted a faith school. But ultimately, the process the local authority are asked to follow kind of has no standards. I mean, I got the impression that they could have gone and asked someone in a car park, do you agree with this school being built? And that would have been good enough. Um, so, you know, the consultation went out to Peterborough City. So obviously, um, a lot of the uh, responses came back that were in support because we believe that they were pastor church members, you know, members of the Catholic diocese. So we couldn't actually pinpoint from the data that there was a need in Hampton Water for this type of school. However, the council have to look at a variety of different aspects. That wasn't one that they absolutely had to prove. Um, they had to pay attention to it, they had to do a consultation, they did a consultation, but even if the results clearly showed that people against Hampton Water 100% were against it, that doesn't matter. There's all these other aspects that they have to look at, which they did, 
And so there was no fault in the process. And I think that's frustrating for people to understand how the, how councils work. I mean, it's been an eye opener for me since getting elected. Um, and so the decision had to be made based on a process rather than the ethics and, and what you believe is right and wrong, uh, which is ultimately why uh, we weren't able to prove our case because, yeah, the process was done and it was good enough. I mean, so did, did the council ever really consider the ethics of having a selective Catholic school? That wasn't really, no. I seem to recall at the call in, it was very much that we weren't uh, supposed to be discussing the ethics. Um, I believe we were told that does not come into it. In fact, I mean, I, I was pulled up by another member of the committee. The a member of the scrutiny committee uh, is part of the Roman Catholic Diocese. And he commented before the meeting that he felt the language I'd used in the call-in document was very emotive, uh, which I hadn't done on purpose. That's just kind of me. I'm a bit over dramatic sometimes. Um, and I didn't really, it was read by other councillors. No one had flagged it. So I didn't mean any offence by it, but it, it was that the religious issue was off the table. You were not allowed to discuss the ethics of the school. It was all about the process and the procedure which which might seem strange given that it is a faith school yeah it does seem very strange but yeah that's the way councils and decisions are made now tracy do you um have anything to add to that i mean in terms of your experience of the process um no we did attend the uh, the diocese did have a consultation meeting um that i don't feel that was very successful we were met met um, at the end by a lady who um, was really quite homophobic and quite um, ver she was quite verbal about that towards us and she was actually part of the um, well she was part of the diocese she was where, where there with them so that wasn't a very good first impression. Did you meet any, any of the say the religious leaders the priests or the, the local bishop or anything like that? Uh, no she was part of the of uh, the congregation at one of the local church, one of the local Catholic churches, uh, but no, there wasn't. They weren't there at all. Yeah. And and I mean, Terry, were the were the diocese represented at all? Um, apart from through this this council you mentioned, were, were they in any of the call in meetings? Uh, they had a representative there who spoke on behalf. I believe the head from one of the other Catholic schools in Peterborough spoke on behalf as well um, in support. I mean, uh, the consultations that Tracy's referring to, they actually held three across the city. Um, two of them were at their own, were at other Catholic schools, were not attended by anyone. I was at that consultation with Tracy uh, it, that was in the area where the school is to be built and you could tell that the, the um, local residents weren't happy and it, it did end up a little bit hostile between the residents and the diocese that were there. But, but there was no sort of interest by the diocese in sort of recognising the hostility of the local residents? I think that they feel that their change to their own subscription criteria was an acknowledgement. I believe that was put forward as, well, we've listened to the consultation, so we're going to reserve 20% of places uh, in the first year for local residents. So that, that was their olive branch, so to speak. So, so originally they were actually planning to have no spaces for local residents that weren't Catholic at all? Uh, not if they're oversubscribed, I believe that was yeah the original proposal. And, and Terry, from your perspective, I mean, in terms of the principle, what, what for you are the fundamental problems with having a Catholic faith school um, in the local area? 
I, I just don't believe that it serves local people. I know that the people in Hampton already struggle to get school places. We're now asking parents, busy parents, stressed out parents to make a decision. Um, you know, do you send your children to the local school that their friends might be going to, even though it's Catholic and you, in essence, when they're at home, say, look, you know, this isn't the way we live. But when you go to school, you know, do as they say, um, nod along. Or does the parent make the a principal decision not to send their child there and now have to, you know, transport their child 20 minutes, half an hour down the road to the non-faith school that they can get their children into. It's it's putting parents in a really difficult situation. Um, and I just don't believe that separating children based on religion is a good thing. I, I teach in a school, seeing the diversity, seeing um, the range of religions and how they all get on in an ideal world. If they don't get on, then the school can deal with that. But we are open and we are inclusive. The idea of, of having a hierarchy of religions as well, uh, that just seems disrespectful uh, to me. Uh, children are children. They might have Catholic parents, but that doesn't make them Catholic. And I think they have a right to have a broad education in all religions and, and none. Um, in order to make their decision when they're old enough. Do you think that there's a conflict here between, say, the right of Catholic parents to choose the education for their children and the right of the children to have exposure to different points of view? I think there is, yes. What, what religion people choose to practice in their homes is, is absolutely their business. I don't believe that that should then have a, a role in any kind of public service. And, and yes, I think children have a right to learn about different religions to make that choice themselves when they're older. Uh, Tracy, would you agree with that? I agree. I think uh, reli uh, teaching religion should just be an RE um, or to your own place of worship. I don't feel that it should be brought into schools and segregate children based on what their faith is. Uh, and I, I mean, I guess also that, that at the moment, faith schools are allowed to teach um, in general, in, in accordance with, with the tenets of their faith. So that might extend to things like um, relationships education as well. Oh, yes, definitely. So at, at this point, I mean, the council's given the, the school the green light. I, Tracy, from your perspective, what, what, is your next, what are your next steps? Are you going to continue to resist the school in some way? Well, we have um, put in a freedom of, of uh, information request uh, to, the, to the local council. That has actually gone by its deadline, which was Friday. Um, so we are waiting to see if there's anything interesting in that on how the process and the decisions were made. Uh, we will also be keeping our eye on this school chapel because the diocese are going to be putting 250,000 of their own money towards this building. Um, so there will be a chapel in the school hall and that will be used out of school time. Uh, that's something that we will also be pursuing and um, seeing what the agenda is really for that. Absolutely. Um, and Terry, what about you? Will you continue to um, also sort of scrutinise what's going on there? Um, in my role on the scrutiny committee, if anything comes our way, we would definitely scrutinise it. I will be keeping an eye on the Facebook group and, and I will offer my support. I'm sort of in touch with Tracy um, if they ever do need my assistance. But um, I'm in this kind of frustrating situation where I really feel as a counsellor, I've kind of hit a dead end. Um, there's nothing much I can do as a counsellor now. Uh, 
to prevent this from happening. It is now kind of the grassroots movement that has maybe got more kind of leverage, which is, is really frustrating. Uh, but yeah, sort of from a personal level, I will support whatever actions, um, you know, the community take to be listened to and hopefully get what, what they want. Although um, I feel that the further down this road we go, um, I, I'm afraid Hampton is gonna be left with, uh, with this school being built. Terry Haynes and Tracy Butler, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm joined now by Alistair Lichten, Head of Education at the NSS. Alistair coordinates the No More Faith Schools campaign. Alistair, hello. Hi, Emma. Um, Great to hear from um, Terry and Tracy, wasn't it? Because you've been involved in this campaign. Yeah, it was it was really good to hear from uh, from both of them and to have met them and uh, so many other supporters when traveling up to Peterborough. Through our No More Faith Schools campaign, we do try and support groups challenging new faith school proposals and advocating for inclusive alternatives. So I did an information uh, information evening up in Peterborough about the proposals. Um, it seems like a very long time ago that was now. And one of my colleagues, Megan Manson, also uh, travelled up to meet supporters and to attend a council meeting on on the on the proposals, and, and of course have just been in an uh, email contacts and and uh, social media with many of the supporters over this period of time as well. So a disappointing result, really, for um, the campaign, and that the school is going ahead regardless. Yes, uh, but there are silver linings. I think we've we have learned a lot about uh, how to support local campaigns against faith schools through this process. Uh, and one of the things we've really seen is just how faith school groups are completely unprepared for any sort of scrutiny or, or pushback on a on a targeted local level. They were uh, just the diocese just had were completely taken off off guard by how strong and how uh, organized the campaign was and uh, we played an important role in helping that but that really was driven by by local by local residents and there are other silver lines to take out of it the the admissions policy at the school will be very discriminatory far more discriminatory than than any school that's been opened in year in england in years However, for the first time, the Catholic uh, Education Service have, and the Catholic Diocese have accepted some limits on religious discrimination admissions. They've always maintained that they that they, there can just be never be any imposed limits on their ability to select uh, based on based on religion. So, so they've always wanted a hundred percent. They've always wanted the option of having a hundred percent. Schools can't turn away pupils if they have places. But when oversubscribed, the Catholic Education Service has always insisted they should have the ability to select up to 100% of pupils based on faith. And in fact, for years, the uh, Catholic Education Service boycotted the government's school uh, academy schools program uh, for new schools and refused to open any new schools because it would not accept uh, the 50% cap on religiously selective admissions. That, that sounds almost quite fanatical. It is certainly a, a very extreme position. It's 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 a position that is significantly more extreme than other faith school providers, uh, even other faith school providers who who practice religiously discriminatory admissions, 
were you know have had accepted the 50 percent cap on those which other providers for example so the church of england has has opened many uh, many free schools through the free schools program has and has accepted and has therefore accepted on those schools limits in terms of their ability to uh, religiously discriminate in admissions and i think it's really important to point out that the catholic education service's position and the position of their diocese on this issue is very much at odds with ordinary Catholics. We know that dis- religious discrimination in admissions is wildly unpopular across all religion and belief groups, including Catholics. In terms of um, this um, 80 to 20 percent ratio, um, now that's only going to be the case, um, certainly for the first year. How will the school then be able to decide um, what happens about its proportion of, of selective and non-selective places in the future? In the future, the school will be its own admissions authority as a voluntary aided school and can therefore choose, uh, or it would, it would need to consult however, however that consultation process isn't, isn't one that we'd have a lot of faith in because it would be controlled by the, uh, by the diocese as the admissions authority and it could come to whatever conclusion it wanted regardless of, of opinion. Uh, consultation processes are about uh, the decision maker assessing arguments, they're not a popularity issue. Uh, so the, the 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 diocese and the school acting as admissions authority could increase that to to remove any limits to religious discrimination in admissions in future years. And, and there would be no way of challenging that, as long as they followed the consultation process and as long as they they did so in line with the school admissions code, which permits uh, religious discrimination. Then then I don't believe there would be a, a grounds to challenge that. However, even if they weren't to go down that route, having up to 80% of pupils uh, selected based on faith is, having any percentage of pupils selected based on their parents' faith is completely unacceptable. Uh, But uh, I think we should really um, take stock that this is the most discriminatory new school that has opened in England in, uh, I would need to check, but I believe it'd be around a decade. I think Tracy and Terry also said that the diocese was quite high-handed um, in its approach. What, what was your impression of how the diocese handled the um, opposition to its proposal? I think they were just completely unprepared for there being opposition to the proposals because there is there's so little scrutiny and so little transparency around these proposals. And uh, in most school types, the organisation proposing the school is very much in charge of any of the consultation process. So they're used to just you know, promoting surveys and, and, and things like that to their supporters. So that is probably why they were just completely unprepared for there being this organised opposition. And they just couldn't, they, they, they couldn't come up with any arguments why the school needed to be a Catholic school. They just said they, you know, basically they, they just wanted to have a, a Catholic school there. There was very little serious engagement with any of the criticism. Uh, the concession, if you can call it that, uh, I suspect they view the concession of having only you know, a cap in terms of 80% of, uh, of discriminatory emissions. I suspect they view that as quite a large concession. Uh, I certainly wouldn't, and, and many re- local residents wouldn't. Was there any sense that there was a sort of anti-Catholic um, feeling among the opponents? Well, uh, when people have are used to their position being privileged, people can very often react in terms of feeling attacked when they're criticised. And I'm talking about the diocese in this case, because we should always remember there are people of all faiths and none who who oppose faith schools, including uh, many Catholics. 
there was suggestion in some quarters, I think on social media, and uh, I believe one church's newsletter explicitly said that the campaign was anti-Catholic without producing any evidence of that. I think they were just defining being against a faith school that happened to be Catholic as anti-Catholic. I should I should point out that the 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 church newsletter which that made that claim about the the, uh, the campaign against school did apologise and acknowledge they were wrong about that. Uh, but just to give you a bit of insight, we we ran multiple petitions on our on our website uh, through the various stages of this campaign, and I read hundreds upon hundreds of petition signatures, uh, vast, vast majority from local residents. And I think I came across one comment in all those hundreds that was uh, unacceptably, uh, it was just anti-Catholic. It wasn't against the school necessarily. And that happened to be someone, uh, I'm not sure how they'd found the, the petition, but it wasn't even from a local resident. And, and the residents, I mean, there's quite a strong opposition. Was, was there any support for having this Catholic faith school? I think there was support across Peterborough as a whole, and that support is largely generated by the Catholic uh, Church and uh, having that very great, strong distribution network. It was it was very much able to promote the proposal and to promote the consultation to their own supporters. That's that that's how this process worked. An analysis of the consultation responses across Peterborough showed, I think, that the majority of those people supported the proposal again you know, all those caveats about that different that asymmetrical promotion uh, but an analysis of people very local that you know those who would actually be most directly affected by the schools showed an extremely strong opposition among local residents well let's talk about the dfe because um the department for education also had a, a big role in this um and there were suggestions that it was not very transparent in, in how it handled these two different bids by the diocese and then by um Hampton Academy's trust. Um what's your experience, Alistair, of, of how transparent or, or not the DFE is when it gets bids for new schools? I always remember chatting to a local councillor from a London borough um, about, I think this is wave 13 of free school applications, so a couple of years ago now. And, and he just said, oh, nothing to us. It's it's in the black box of the DfE. The DfE centralise a huge amount of decision-making about new schools. And there is virtually no transparency about this. The DfE have, have on multiple occasions, refused to provide information on applications or proposals for new schools, uh, refused to provide any information about how they assess these proposals. They they claim that they're assessed to ensure they're inclusive. However, you know, you, you, one could take the position that uh, organising a school around the faith at all is not inclusive, and the DfE, in any case, provide no information to back up how they make those assessments. Uh, they refuse to provide uh, copies of the feedback that are sent to proposers of schools. They refuse to provide full copies of application forms. Uh, most schools are proposed are, are actually academies rather than voluntary aided schools, but the issues across these are very similar. But, but basically what they do is they say, we will fund this proposal, but we won't fund another proposal. So. Yes. So effectively, uh, we heard we heard some of the insight to, to the financial situation from from the point of view of, of, of councillors and the information that they have, um, which was interesting. We understand how little detail the DfE are willing to share with us, but it's interesting how little detail they're willing to share with with uh, local councillors. When the DfE have a preferred 
you know what option they would like in a certain area they are able to effectively as as i think you summarized not provide funds for alternatives so we don't know uh, and in this case you know you had two different applications to run a school on this site this was a site that was, which was paid for but we should remember by local residents this was new housing development and everyone who bought a house on that new housing development would have effectively uh, through what's known as a section 106 agreement contributed to the building of this school uh, directly not just not not just in the general way we will do through taxes and there were two different proposals uh the proposal for a community ethos that's you know not a faith school academy on the site was rejected by the dfe in uh, and therefore the proposal for uh to open the faith faith school what then had uh, that was just put in a much stronger position but because the dfe refused to provide any transparency in terms of how these proposals are assessed we can't know there may have been some very good reason why the proposal from the non-faith community for academy was was rejected however we just have no way of knowing that so it does seem like the dfe just blocked the option they didn't like and supported the option they they do like Local councils have a, have a statutory, a legal duty to ensure there is adequate school provision. But if the DfE control local councils' ability to seek new proposals and really limit this, they're in situations where there is a new school need. Any exploration of an inclusive community for school can be completely shut down and faith schools um, forced on communities who just don't want them. On that point, now, Terry, of course, has um, mentioned the Lib Dem position, but the DfE is, we're currently in a conservative government. And in fact, Peterborough Council is a conservative um, controlled um, council. What is the conservative position? Are they generally in favour of faith schools? If we go back a few years to the Theresa May government, the, uh, when she came in as Prime Minister, one of her first policies was to suggest removing the cap on religious selection or discrimination in admissions to new academies. And that actually eventually became a Conservative Party manifesto commitment. However, even with very, very strong support uh, among the Conservative Party and 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 a majority government, they eventually decided that would not be a viable route. Uh, Damien Hines became Education Secretary and he had been a very big uh, supporter of this policy and then found that it just wasn't practical to implement. So that policy would have, if that policy had gone through, all new academies could potentially select up to 100% of their pupils based on faith if they were religious. To mitigate from their point of view the, the impact of not fulfilling that manifesto commitment, they decided to make alternative funds available for a new wave of voluntary aided schools. Uh, but there are slightly more hoops to jump through in terms of opening a voluntary aided school. Uh, for example, there is the, the requirement to find some capital commitment, which uh, theoretically comes from a religious organisation, but typically just comes from alternative sources of public money. And that's why there have been that's why this new school in Peterborough is the first of this type to open in as in, as I say, about a decade. And just to be clear, voluntary aided ones are at schools are the type which can select up to 100% on the basis of faith. Yes. And in terms of other other parties' policies, speaking about in England, the Green Party support a move to it to having an entirely uh, secular community ethos education system. The Labour Party, um, uh, I don't think they have really a position. 
they generally speaking support efforts to make schools more inclusive they were supportive of the 50% cap on admissions but we've seen contradictory messages from recent shadow education secretaries the liberal democrats uh, support an end to religious selection in school admissions and i believe support a move to having a community ethos to, for all new schools being community schools however their position is that while you have um, a situation where any group can bid or effectively bid for a contract to run a new school that that faith group should be equally able to put forward such proposals. Sure. So the question is really, um, how much longer is this going to go on for that faith schools can bid to, that um, faith organisations can bid to open a new faith school? One of the things is we, we've got to do, uh, and we really we, we push for our No More Faith Schools campaign, is to just organise locally to challenge every new faith school proposal and to always, always push, push, push for inclusive secular community ethos alternatives. Finally, Alistair, how close do you think we are to getting rid of the ability of schools to select students on the basis of their religion? People have a wide variety of views on faith schools and there are many people uh, who would prefer we didn't have faith schools but it's not necessarily their highest priority. However, if we look at specifically the, the question of whether or not faith schools should be able to discriminate in admissions, there's quite a strong public consensus on this. It's very, very difficult for, to, to, you know, for religious groups to defend publicly funded schools discriminating against children on, their ba- on the basis of their parents' religion. Uh, they typically try, you know, try and obfuscate this or, or downplay the level of discriminatory admissions. So across all faith and belief groups and across people with, with differing views on faith schools, there is such a strong uh, consensus against discriminatory admissions that I think that will be the first uh, and, and very big domino to fall. Alistair Lichton, thank you very much. Thank you. This episode was produced by the National Secular Society, all rights reserved. The views expressed by contributors do not necessarily represent those of the NSS. You can access the show notes and subscriber information for this and all our episodes at secularism.org.uk forward slash podcast. For feedback, comments and suggestions, please email podcast at secularism.org.uk. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a positive review wherever you can. Thanks for listening and I hope you can join us next time.